Welcome to the Black Psychologist Podcast, where we have conversations and give insight into human behavior and promote mental health wellness. I'm Dr. Kyle Osborne, and with my co-host, Dr. Jason Coleman, we'll discuss health topics, everyday life issues, and try to give you a better understanding of yourself, other people, and the world around you. So just sit back, relax, and hopefully you'll leave with some information that'll have you live in your best, healthy life. Thanks for listening and enjoy the podcast. All right, and welcome back to the Black Psychologist Podcast. This is episode uh, 15, I believe. Yeah, we're moving right along. Yeah, episode 15, I am one of and one half of your humble and gracious host, your clinician here for your listening pleasure, Dr. Kyle Osborne. Appreciate everybody tuning in and watching. And of course, I'm never, ever here by myself. I'm here with to be the man. You have to beat the man. And that's not going to happen on this end. None other than Dr. Jason Coleman. <laughs> How are you, good brother? Oh, I'm good, man. I'm good. I don't, I don't be ready for that, man. I don't be ready for that. What's <laughs> up, though? How you doing? Chilling, man. I'm chilling. You know, we're uh, we here in another week. Um, You know, out here saving lives, getting ready to be coming up here on the um, Memorial Day weekend in a few days or after this upcoming weekend. So, you know, I'm getting ready for that, man. So, you know, we yeah, uh, definitely, man. It's a, it's a busy week. I'm ready for it, too. That's like what you were saying. You know, it's always going to get heavy before uh, before the long weekend sets in. So, you know, just getting it done. And, uh, of course, I'd be remiss if I didn't thank the listeners and the watchers. We thank everybody for uh, for tuning in and watching and subscribing. Uh, we definitely appreciate all the love and support and the feedback. And uh, speaking of which, like Dr. J and I said on the last episode, what we're doing is in an effort to make things more interactive with the listeners, uh, guys. Please, please, you guys get a chance to not only listen, watch and subscribe, but, you know, you have questions, you know, send in the questions, you know, via through our email um, and video at the black psychologist podcast at gmail.com. You know, any questions about mental health or about um, about the field itself or about life? You know, like we're up here. We're all having good conversation, providing insight about everyday stressors and other different things that we see in the world going around us. So we want to hear from you, you know, we want to be able to answer some of those questions and give everybody feedback. So whether you're uh, a clinician or therapist yourself, or whether you're not in the field, whether you have a question about family member, about whatever you want some feedback from us, you know, shoot us a message and uh, we'll play here on the um, next upcoming episode. So, you know, we look forward to hearing everybody's responses. All right. So, um, Anything before we get started, Dr. J? Uh, not not really, man. Just just want to thank everybody, you know, for tuning in. We, of course, we appreciate it um, and definitely thankful. Um, just want to encourage everybody to continue to, you know, subscribe, like the videos um, and, yeah, send in a short video clip of a question and we'll do our best to answer it. Absolutely. All right, man. So let's uh, let's go and get it. Let's get this thing started. All right. So first and foremost, all right, Jay, um, when you uh, see, because this has been a topic that uh, I think has been going on for a little while, uh, we get asked this question a lot, especially about uh, behavior that you see out there on social media. So, you know, Jay, I'm going to ask you a question. When you see situations like um, 
future Hall of Famer Paul Pierce, right, who has a uh, who had a prominent job as a NBA analyst on ESPN and ABC, right, which is a family network. And then you see him getting on his IG live and he's drinking with strippers in the background, getting lap dances. And then see okay. that uh, that led to his firing. Right. What's your thought that goes through your head? Right. What's the what's one of the main maybe first couple questions that pop into your head? Well, you kind of threw me off with that one, because see, this is the thing. Paul, I think Paul Pierce, I think he's doing what a lot of people do, but I think it's different because because he's so high profile and there's alcohol and I don't know what he was smoking, whatever involved. Right. Um, obviously, his inhibitions, you know, is a little bit lower. Now, if we're talking about what he actually did, right, as employed by, by Disney, you know, ESPN parent company, married man, whatever you want to think of that, you know, and what he had on the video. I mean, to me, that speaks more, more of like entitlement, right? And I only say that to say like, you know, this is a, a dude that's obviously well off, you know, he's done well for himself. You only do that when you feel like ain't no consequences from your job, from your wife, from anybody, right? Because even the day after you remember, he. He did like kind of like a um, a blog post kind of at the day after kind of mocking ESPN. He was like, yo, see what's what's up next outside his house, like kind of like I'm good, you know. So right. it was shocking, you know, but honestly, I'm I'm more shocked when I see like quote unquote us do it, like regular people, right? right. Where it's like if I do that and I get fired, like I'm gonna be in a bad spot. Like, you know what I'm saying? Cause I got you know, I don't have the income put up that he has. Nowhere near. So I'm more shocked when I see, you know, regular people do it than, than stars because they have a certain sense of entitlement. What you think about that? Yeah, you, you took the words right out of my mouth, man. You uh, shocked, right? That's usually a main question or like what kind of goes through people's head is like you're shocked when you see individuals do things like that on social media or on the Internet. And it's just like, what are they thinking? Right. Or what's going on? Right. But a lot of times that's been that main question, whether it be, like you said, a celebrity who might be where off and might have some more resources or you have normal everyday individuals that do things that um, usually don't have good results, I'll say, you know, um, or good implications on their job and on their well-being or the or the fallout. And it's just like, yo, why do people continue to do this? Right. Why do people continue to act a certain way or behave badly or whatever terminology or phrase you want to use on social media? And so I think that's a growing trend. And that was a question. That's what, you know, kind of caught our eye when we saw this article come up is, you know, what goes into it when you see people do these outrageous things on social media, on their IG, on their Facebook Live, whatever the situation or circumstances may be. And then you see this fallout the following day with their job or, you know, with the situation like, or case in point, if we're not talking about celebrities, we're talking about the situation like at the Capitol, right? You had a whole bunch of people right. that were out there, you know, live streaming, taping on their posting, like they're walking into the Capitol, doing all types of things, trespassing, whatever, every, uh, every, every uh, law that was broken underneath the sun with that whole ordeal, you know, right. but they're posting about it, right? You're sitting in the, you know, the, the, politicians chairs right so you have behavior like such as this that people are doing every day and they're doing and they're posting about it so you know 
what's your what's your your thoughts on why people behave so, in that manner and what you took away from that? Well, we're specifically talking about because again, people why people engage in bad behavior is a whole different conversation. We're talking about why do individuals engage in that behavior and then post it for the world to see, right? Exactly. And then identify themselves as the one posted it, right? Um, in some cases, knowing they're going to get, you know, a negative reaction. So especially social media is the perfect place to talk about it, right? Because everybody wants to feel important. It doesn't matter who they are. And everybody wants to feel relevant, right? Um, and I think when you position that, like those individuals wanting to feel like that, whether now the scale will be different for everybody, but every person wants to feel relevant and every person wants to feel important, whether it's to their circle alone or, for, or to the world, right? And then when you mix that in with like likes, shares, and followers, you have a deadly combination, right? Because for me, you know, feeling relevant and feeling important may be tied to like positive feelings. So I may want to feel relevant based off getting out like an important message, right? Mental health is important. We need to reduce the stigma of mental health. Somebody else may want to feel important, you know, just by having the attention on them. You know what I mean? So if, if, if that's your perception of importance, if it just comes from the likes and it doesn't matter what the reason is, then I mean, you'll slam a pie in somebody's face and record it if, if that's going to get you a million views, you know? So, again, I think that's one one reason, right? Like, the, the individual's perception of of importance is, is, is different, you know? Um, and the feelings connected to it. Yeah, it's definitely rewarding, man. Um, I feel and believe that, like, when people go and do some of these activities, whether they're extreme or not like that it's rewarding to them like oversharing is rewarding right and it's like even like self-disclosure activities like when you're out here and you're you know like you said you're showing that you're getting lit at a party or, or whatever the situation may be and you, you know you're throwing up or it could be something like you said you know if people have a certain platform you want that validation through whatever those actions right so when you put something out there now it's the opportunity for others, like you said, to validate that, right? So they validate it through likes, they validate it through comments, they validate it through feedback. And then also, it also creates like another group of people who are like, you know what, not only am I validating, I'm with you on that. Yeah, you know what, yo, you should do this and such, right? And so now you've created a bond with whoever's viewing or whoever's liking or whoever's for them feedback. And on the other side of that, right, you got people that are going to hate on that, right? Or people are going to talk about it. And now that creates a whole different group because, right. you know, we got if we're talking honestly, like even if you have people that don't like it, that creates a whole group in itself. Like that's gossip. Right. So you have gossip is like a bonding activity. Right. If you're bonding, <laughs> and you're, you know, it's like when people start talking about a situation or an issue or something that they see on there. Right. It's it's a bonding activity. It's like collective disapproval. And then now right. that creates a feeling of community because you're talking about a situation, you're talking about somebody, or you have people that are like joining in on whatever you're doing or whatever madness. And so now it's like you have this common thread. So like you said, totally with the whole, it's rewarding. Like, you know, when you're doing this activity, no matter how extreme it may be, there are going to be some people that like it. And there are going to be some people that are going to be like appalled by it, but it's still that collective effort is in there. And like you said, it's getting rewarded by the likes and the feedback. 
I mean, I, I agree with what you're saying, but this is what I would add to it, right? We're talking about, for most individuals, they're going to shy away from negative attention, right? Whether it's children or adults. Negative evaluations from other people, most people just, they shy away from that, right? Um, so we're talking about individuals who are posting whatever the activity is, knowing, you know, that in general, people are not going to, have a, a rosy, you know, reception or whatever they're seeing, right? So I think if they, if if what they're posting is going against like kind of like societal norms and they're aware of that before they post it, then we kind of got to look at, you know, what is going on with the individuals that's doing that, right? And I just mean like, I'm not trying to diagnose them. I just mean like, what is their motivation, right? So then we got to start looking at individual people and what is the type of person that will post something on social media, knowing that they're gonna get a, a negative reaction, right? Most of us, there's something that's gonna pull us back, right? Whether it's our friends, whether it's our girlfriend, whether it's our wife, whether it's our, our mother, somebody is gonna post, is gonna pull us back, right? I don't wanna press send because of this, because of my job, because of this person. So what is it gonna be about individuals? That's why I said we, about the individuals that are doing that. So we got to start looking beneath the surface, right? We got to start looking at things like self-esteem, you know what I mean? And their self-concept and those, those type of things, because I think you'll start finding common traits in individuals. I'm not saying that they're all the same, but you'll start finding, you know, common traits, you know? Yeah, because you, you usually, it's like two groups of people that I've noticed, right? You have some folks that when you're talking about like social media, you're talking about, you know, online, you have some folks that are like, they'll be like separate. They have like, you know, they have, they have their personal lives and they have their professional lives like on social media. And then you have another group of people that are, you know, they don't separate it. Like they're more about self-expression and, you know, they don't care about the opinions of others and they go like everything's on their page, no matter what. Right. But you, like you said, right. you have some people that, you know, maybe, thinking a little bit more rationally because they're thinking about their job because they're thinking about family or the effect there. Right. So you have those two groups of people. And at the same time, I feel like what social media and on, on and being online with the internet does is that, like you mentioned earlier, it's just less inhibition, right? Like you're less inhibited to do that because you're far removed, right? You're kind of disassociated from, you know, from people. So it's not exactly like what's happening. Like you may know this person you're getting views or you're having your, you know, you're getting feedback from someone that you don't even know. Or some people have like these icons, some people have like these avatars or whatever the situation may be. So when you're saying different things and you know it's going to evoke some type of unpleasant reaction, it's almost like, well, this is my avatar, this is this person, but it's not me, right? So you're less inhibited because it's less personal and things. You know? That, and again, I think that that's very important, right? Um because the person is more removed, right? It's less responsibility, at least that's kind of how it feels. Um, but it, it, again, like when we're talking about this specific situation, I think like us being therapists gives us a unique perspective, right? Because uh, obviously not with every single client, but we have a unique perspective in the people like what they feel like their wants versus their needs and what are what those things are, right? And for some individuals, the negative attention, they crave it. You know, they, 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 you know, they thrive off of it, right? Getting under other people's skin for whatever reason, right? We know, we know that, that 
you know, there's going to be common traits with some of these people. Um, them trollers. Right. Right. So so we know that some people thrive off negative attention. So some individuals won't understand it. You know what I mean? They won't understand why getting 30,000 likes and a thousand comments of people saying, why the hell would you say that? Were you ignorant? This and that. The person on the other end of the phone, you know what I mean? Again, they may be thriving off, off the attention, right? Off the likes, off that. So depending on who it is and what their personal motivation is, you know, that to me, that's gonna, that's kind of going to determine who does it, you know what I mean? And what kind of things they're going to post, right? I think the unfortunate part that I've also observed is that, like, I think society as a whole has normalized the behavior. Right. So a lot of this outrageous outlandish behavior has continued to get worse. So some of the things that like five, 10 years ago that would have been appalling, that would have been like all strike. It's not anymore. Like it's been normalized. Right. Seeing a lot of this behavior come from the top. Right. The whole leader of the free world or of the United States was doing displaying all types of inappropriate behavior. So now. You know, and not just him, but just like we've gotten where we've seen so much online. We've seen so much on social media that we've normalized some of the behavior where some of those things aren't even getting huge views anymore. Right. It's like you see it and then it's just like, oh, okay, You know, and you kind of go on to the next one, which is also a problem in itself because these things have become because um, become of the norm. I I agree. Right. And I, I don't necessarily think that you bringing up the former president is a bad example, right? Because again, when we talk about why people post things and why when you see bad behavior is kind of more extreme now, it's like a lot of this has to do with like belonging and not belonging to, right? In certain groups. So if we look at politically, like it doesn't matter what party you're, you're you know, tied to or you belong to, identify with. We're so polarized that you can't just People are less inclined to just, you know, state an opinion, right? They're, they're gonna state they're gonna state the most extreme opinion that represents their side, right? right? Um, why? Because again, start the example starting from the top is like the regular stuff at this point isn't getting the attention. You know, you know what I mean? Um, it's hard for you to kind of argue something that doesn't, you know, have flair and doesn't really bring kind of people's attention to it when the other person you know, is is arguing something that's going to pull on people's heartstrings and whip up their emotions, right? And that's what the extreme stuff does, you know? Um, so I think belonging or not belonging in terms of group affiliation, whether it be cultural groups, that's why you see a lot of the, we're talking statements now in terms of bad behavior, um, but that's why you see the more extreme end, right? And, and then if we just carry it on to just acts, right? If we look at kind of, Instagram, world star, I, I guarantee you just in general, right? There's been kind of an incline in terms of what used to go viral and what goes viral now. Exactly. What would have went viral, you know, five years ago? You got to do more now. Yeah. You know, you know, you know what I mean? How many instances do we have of like young people or older people falling out of hotels? You know, they go to some famous landmark where they say, don't take no pictures, don't post, and they fall over and die, right? Why? Because 
they want to get them likes, right? The most extreme stuff is is what gets is what gets the likes and the attention. So, you know, yeah. So but, it's, it's scary. You know, like you said, it's, it's very scary because the envelope is constantly getting pushed. You know, extreme reactions are getting even more severe, even more extreme. Um, and unfortunately, like there, it doesn't seem like there's a ceiling, right? It just continues to increase. So, um, like you said, it's more looking at the individual, but an individual kind of loses that, you know, their ability to make a rational decision making when they're getting a group effort, right? Or when they're kind of doing something for the gram, we're doing something for this. When you get lost within a whole group setting, you know, at a gathering, at a party, or amongst your friends, that individual, they, that that decision making, like you just kind of a lot of times, unfortunately, falls to the wayside, and then you know, shit just hits the fan from there. So, I mean, but this, you know, this is gonna be a constant, ongoing conversation with more and more outrageous uh, antics. Yeah, you know. Speaking of outrageous, all right. So, in Florida, Northeast Florida. Bartram Trail High School, which is located in Northeast uh, Florida, is making headlines and is under criticism after 80 female students' yearbook photos were edited without their consent to add more clothing. All right. So the clothes on some of these pictures were digitally or digitally ah, (laughs) adjusted or added like shoulder or lower cut shirts. So like if the person had like, uh, I don't know, I don't know the, the women's clothing terminology but say if they had like a uh, a sweater on and maybe like the like a, i guess a halter top or whatever that is and say some of the chest was showing nope they put like a little mm-hmm. block on, on top of it right or even they had a low cut shirt like a v-neck nope they digitally enhance and you know put some type of block of that looked like it blended in it was really terrible looking um and so this was like you said 80 female students um in your yearbook photos so this right. is the yearbook. We know how important the yearbook is. We know that that pretty much yearbook pictures last forever. So um, so this is the school. Um, a uh, female teacher made the decision who's in charge, I guess, of the yearbook committee and yearbook photos made the decision to edit these photos after determining after determining that they violated the dress code. So 80 uh, female students and uh, those students and their families are outraged. For good reason. What was your take on this? I mean, I, listen, I thought it was ridiculous. Um, one, because one of the young ladies, her mother was talking about the photo that they edited. She had kind of wore the outfit, the same outfit to school on several occasions. And, you know, there was no issue. Right. Um, second, it's just so that's just one little example of why it's ridiculous. The whole on his, on his face, the whole issue is ridiculous. Not having a dress code, but the fact that they're selectively enforcing it, right? And apparently they're selectively enforcing it with only the girls, right? So, right. And, and to me, it, it definitely sends the wrong message. I'm, I'm glad these parents are kind of standing up because, you know, just looking at the article, they were saying that, you know, these girls could be, I'm going to use the word cited. I don't know what they kind of what they give them in school, you know, but say they could receive like a citation in school or something if what they wore was distracting, right? So yeah. that's so crazy, right? So somebody can wear something or if they wore something and their shoulder was showing. So you're telling young ladies, right, that 
they're responsible for how somebody else reacts to the clothing that they have. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Yeah. So if so if so if their clothing is distracting the young boy behind them and he doesn't know how to do his work, right? Or keep his eyes at a respectful place, you know, then it's her problem. That sounds crazy, bro. Yeah. You know, and they re- like they said this. Yeah. And then they said excessive makeup. Yeah. So excessive makeup, but you know, I I don't know what that means. That's extreme like hairstyles too. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah. Extreme hairstyles where they say modest, not revealing or distracting, like you said, uh, must cover the entire shoulder. Like, yeah, I don't, it's very vague, very, yeah. Like what, what does that mean? Right. You so know? the minute you say extreme hairstyles, you already know what I, what, I feel sorry if there's any students in that, in that school that have dreadlocks, because you know, that's, you know, that's going to be the first on the list All you know? and, yeah. and braids are the next. So, it's just a slippery slope, man. Um, it's a horrible message to kind of send to these young people. Um, and again, right, we speak to them out of both sides of our mouth because I don't know that, well, they they were seniors, right? Because they was in the yearbook. They were getting the yearbook. So, so next year, we're going to send them off to a college campus and tell them they're adults, right? That's what they're going to do. Next year, they're going to send them off to college campus, expect them to carry themselves as adults but now we're telling them that you can't monitor your own makeup and you can't wear a shirt that hangs off your shoulder but you're an adult in six months Mm -hmm. it it makes no sense you know um they're living in fantasy land yeah i mean yes schools schools are allowed to have dress codes but you can't selectively enforce it you know and you you can't target a certain population of students, right? Because this is really what this is. Like, and you spoke to this uh, also, you, I mean, you're disproportionately targeting females, right? With this dress code, as far as you're talking, covering the shoulder, excessive makeup, so on and forth, right? Like you're, you're targeting a certain group, you're targeting a certain gender. And like, you, like you are placing blame on them, right? You're saying, right. That, well, you know, like they're actively trying to show off their developing bodies, right? And what if it's hot, right? So are we taking that in consideration? Like it's it's sure. in Florida. So I imagine it's pretty warm down there. However, you can't wear something that's like, you know, over the, sh- you know, that, that's showing your shoulder or things of that nature. And you're right. It's totally inconsistent, right? Because this is a form of sexism. Let's call it what it is. And it's inconsistent because they said in the yearbook that the, the swim team, they were in their swim photos and nothing was digitally altered, right? The males swim team, they were in their bathing suits or their swimsuits and everything was fine. In Speedos. In Speedos, right. Right. So as we're going to be, you know, as you're going to enforce something, you have to be consistent with it. And also, right, just going, you know, having gone through the whole yearbook situation, like they could have handled this completely different, right? So yearbooks usually, when you're taking a photo, like, they're usually done in a separate location. They're not typically done at the school. They're done like at a, at a, at a studio. Mm-hmm. And so first of all, like so much goes into a yearbook photo, like money, like for the outfit, for the makeup, for the hair, all these other different things. So, right. Parents are spending money to have their kid have like a good yearbook photo. Right. If there, and there's a plenty of time that goes through or that lapses between when that picture is taken Right. Because it's usually done earlier in the year. It gets sent to the school. 
if you have this person that's looking at all these photos, they could have contacted the kids and said, hey, you know what? No, this isn't uh, this isn't for code. Right. Because there's opportunity to do retakes. So right. now they're saying that, oh, well, we're going to have parents or families that are unhappy. We're going to issue, a, um, you know, a refund. But no, you could have contacted these families when the pictures were initially sent and said, hey, you know what? This isn't up to code, so on and so forth. You need to retake it or it won't be included. Like you don't just go off and again, without consent of the kid or the family and say, hey, you know what? We're just going to do a little block. Like, you know, some of these pictures, right? They look like, um, remember like in Cops? Or and um or like when Band from TV came out, and they had mm-hmm. like the little blocks, like if someone like uh like if someone, yeah. yeah, like that's what it looks like on some of these photos. Yeah. Like it looks it, horrible. Yeah, it looks yeah, terrible. It horrible. Yeah. yeah, it looks terrible. And then you know, like it's really unfortunate because now what they're not thinking about is outside of of course it being sexist, and you know you're shaming you know these these poor young girls. You're also putting them like in the in the spotlight of ridicule. Right. Because there's a whole emotional right. compact of it. Right. Because these edits have drawn like masses bullying. Right. Because this gets online. You got other kids and other students and stuff that are like they're harsh. I mean, kids are going to be kids, unfortunately. And when you right. see someone's photo that's been like digitally altered horribly. Right. Now you got these pictures, unfortunately, like you said, that they some of them have found their way onto like Snapchat. Some of them have found them online. People are getting ridiculed. People are getting bullied for these. And, you know, like they're being used as memes, you know, online, on social media. Like that's a horrible ordeal for someone to have to go through for any kid in some high school to go through, to be put on as a meme and be like, you know, spotlighted on online. And now they have to deal with this. Like that can have a like a tremendous, terrible impact on on the teen's mental health that they have to go through school. So like this whole situation and whole ordeal was completely mismanaged and completely just put into place. Like you said, it's not about the dress code itself, but it's the way it's enforced. And then also the fact that you're targeting us half the population of the school and you know letting it go forward as far as not being consistent with it. So this whole thing is is, is terrible. Yeah, like again. You know, um, my high school had a dress code. It was nothing like this, but they did have a dress code. So there's nothing wrong with having a dress code, right? Um, If that's what the school decides to do. But I don't trust the intent of this rule. You know what I mean? So I don't trust the rule because I don't trust the intent of it, you know, because, you know, a dress code is more to me. It's about kind of keeping certain things uniform and then having a certain standard, right? And then with whatever you want to do within that standard is on you, right? But uh, to me, I mean, makeup, you know what? I, when, you, when you start talking about excessive makeup and you can't wear distracting clothing, you know, like they put that word in there, distracting to other people, you know? They didn't even say inappropriate. You understand? If they would have said inappropriate, that could apply to a, a, a male or a female. You know what I mean? Correct. A boy or a girl. But when you start saying distracting the other students and then you point it at the females, I mean, it's clear. I mean, the, the girl is clearly sexist. Like, come on, let's not. So I don't, intru- I don't trust the rule because I don't trust the intent behind it, you know? So, um, you know, and then again, you have all the other stuff on the surface, like the editing was was, was horrible and all of that. Um, and again, one of the moms was talking about how her daughter had some like mental health challenges and issues with stress and, you know, things related to peer pressure and that type of stuff. So, um, 
you know, again, you got to be careful because I don't think that particularly young lady was having like a negative reaction to the photos. But, you know, this is 80 kids. So there, there could be 80 different reactions to either having your photo altered um, or having other people view that altered photo. So you just got to be careful. Yeah, I mean, I, I just you got to feel and think about this is how they were conducting and going through the whole year with this dress code. You know, like think of if you're a female student and you're just walking through, you're almost like living in fear to a certain extent. Right. Because now it's just like, well, I got to make sure that if my my hairstyle, like you said, isn't too extreme. I don't know sure. what extreme looks like. It's very vague. And like, how do you know if you go into school, if you wear something that you're not going to get, like you said, you're going to get that demerit or that citation or something. So now it's like, how do you even really focus and go to school? Because you're so concentrating on I got to make sure that I'm in accordance of this vague dress code that they're targeting, you know, the female student body. So like that's not a conducive environment for any kid learning. If you're thinking like you got to look over your shoulder and hope that you're not going to get fined or whatever the, the punishment that they were they were handing out, you know, right? this is, is uh, this is wrong on a lot of different levels, unfortunately. Well, shout out to the parents. Keep that pressure on. Them. Absolutely. So. Uh, so we'll see, you know, because yep. it, didn't, it didn't seem like this was uh, had to go this way or was necessary. All right. Um, so as we know, it's uh, it's May. It's playoff time. NBA playoff time. I'm watching. You're watching. You know, so um, we got to make sure we insert some some sports in there. Uh, but in a good way. The Nets, the Nets is playing right now. Yeah. You know, my Mavs is playing later tonight, man. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I see Durant's out there doing damage. I see him. Yeah, listen, man, the Nets is probably up by 100 right now. That's so. what they do, bro. Right. First 250 wins. That's that's how it works. <laughs> we'll see, man. <laughs> see how that, um, that turns out. On the Western Conference, we got um the Portland Trailblazers. Ah, Portland Trailblazers. And uh, yep. with the Portland Trailblazers, we have future star uh, and Hall of Famer uh, Carmelo Anthony, Melo Yellow. All right, and he recently helped launch a $10,000 scholarship for black students studying mental health. And he has a fund with uh, that he created with Chris Paul and Dwayne Wade called the Social Change Fund United. And uh, it awarded two black students that are studying mental health, uh, mental mental health care. And it awarded them five thousand dollars each in honor of Mental Health Awareness Month, which is May. Um, So reading through this article, uh, what was your opinion about this, Jeff? I mean, you know, this is one of those where we just we uh, of course we want to highlight when people are doing you know positive things in the community. Um, listen, you got to give Carmelo Anthony, Chris Paul, Dwayne Wade a lot of credit. Um, just being just being at the forefront in terms of talking about mental health. You know, they way bigger voices than we could ever dream to be. Um, so, you know, for them to kind of put money where their mouth is, right, is important. Um, listen. Somebody told me a long time ago, like, if you want to know what a person values, look at where they put their money. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. If they invest in their family, they value their family. If they invest in jewelry, then they buy, value jewelry. If they buy in cars, they value cars, right? They invest in their children. So for them to take, you know, $10,000 and dedicate it, you know, put it towards this, it means that they really care about it, you know? Um, so I, I, to me, it means it can go go a long way in terms of breaking down stigma and they're not just you know the faces of this right because Chris Paul said 
We need more professionals in this space that look like us in order to break down the stigma around mental health. That's not a person that's just passively participating in this, right? Um, so he has a stake in it, whether he's a, just a supporter or ally, whether he's going, whether he has family members that are going through some challenges, but um, I think it's a good thing, right? And it's, there's the right people because, again, I don't see them trying to do it just because this was May or just because, you know, mental health is kind of in the forefront right now. You know, it seems like, you know, this is kind of an issue that they felt was, you know, very important. And if you look at the, those three, you know, in terms of advocacy, they've been jumping in with, with, with both feet for the last five years, five, ten years. Yeah, this is a uh, a feel good story. I loved every part of it except for one part. You know what I what I what I didn't like about this, Jay? Okay. Where was this when I was in school? When you and I were in school. <laughs> All right. Yeah, Listen, man, yeah. I've been in been in school. Mello, Mello was playing when we were in school. So was Chris Paul and and, uh, <laughs> and wait, wait. Listen, you know this this five thousand would have been real good to cut down on some of these loans, man. I'm we you know we we heavy in these loans right now, and um. I'm a little upset, so you're right about that. I'm, I'm gonna be writing uh, Mellow Yellow um, some hate mail. All right, I'm because I'm I'm wondering, bro, like this this could have been distributed um, and funneled my way a long time ago. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> got some issues with that, but you know, all jokes aside, like no, this is great. Like I'm I'm happy that you know they created this initiative and they're helping pave the way for you know for black students that. Are looking to break into the mental health field because we need it, right? They we absolutely need um, people that look like us. You know, um, it's a situation that you know black therapists and, and clinicians are underrepresented, and we need more you know clinicians that are able to help our community. Like we've talked about, you know, our community suffers from trauma, suffers from anxiety, stress, depression, mm-hmm. all these things, and especially with. COVID, especially with these police killings, right? Like it's at an all-time high of our folks needing this therapy, right? They need clinicians that look like us that understand, you know, that experience. I mean, you 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 and I see it almost on a daily basis when we see a new client or a new, you know, patient come in and they see us, right? They walk right. in and they, they see us and it's like the eyes light up. You you see their reaction. It's like that sigh of relief that they're going to be working with a clinician that understands their experience. Right. So absolutely. Like they, you know, this is good that there's helping usher in a whole new movement, a whole new generation. It's, you know, it's what? an important thing, right? Um, APA 2015, you know, um, 86% of therapists in the, in the United States are Caucasian. 5% of them are Asian, 5% Latinx, 4% Black, African-American, right? Well, it just says Black, but you know, we Black therapists, right? We, we, we're going to use that term. Um, but that's 4%, you know? Um, so, so again, representation is very important, you know, for, for all three of those groups that I just mentioned, you know? Um, and it's like, you know, of course, we're not saying, you know, I know a lot of people who have, you know, Caucasian white therapists now have had them, you know what I mean? And they, you know, they, they have no issues, you know, with, with them, they do a great job. Um, but for certain issues, a lot of people feel more comfortable um, with somebody that they feel, you know, um, kind of understand certain things from a different perspective. And those are the numbers, man, you know? Um, 
14% of all represented therapists of color. That's crazy, you know? So if you're on the other side of it, what are the odds of you walking in somewhere, you know, um, and finding a therapist that looks like you, you know? Um, it's slim to none. So again, you know, it's good that they're putting light on this issue. Um, it, it just seems like in general, man, like um, mental health kind of went from an afterthought you know, like, or it was never a joke to us, but like an afterthought and kind of like little brother to medical illnesses two, three years ago to we got a seat at the table. Like everybody takes mental health serious now. And I, it's unfortunate, but, you know, five last five, 10 years, we've lost a lot of high profile people to kind of depression and taking their own lives and things like that. Um, I think that opened a lot of people's eyes, man. Yeah, it's um, it's always difficult and unfortunate that when things come to the forefront, it's more reactive. Like you said, it's due to an issue taking place. Again, it's due to people losing their lives or it's due to a lot of these police killings that now a lot of people are experiencing that racial trauma, right? They're experiencing the effects of that. And now that's brought mental health to the forefront. Um, however, you know, this is where we are. So now that we do have that seat at the table, now we have to, you know, make sure that we're, you know, getting information out there and making sure that we're, um, you know, getting people the resources and the help that they can, because they're, like you said, we're vastly underrepresented, right? We're vastly, you know, there even a lot of therapists that I know, a lot of black therapists and clinicians, like they're booked, you know, they're, they're, they don't, you know, we're right, girls right. coming in which is, you know, good right. and bad in the sense you have more people coming in, but then you have a whole population of people that aren't getting the services that are requesting to try to get some because there just aren't that many and they're looking for, you know, black therapists and black clinicians. So um, I'm happy that they got a good new wave coming in. You're starting to see more people, um, you know, and with situations like this, it makes that, you know, college course and makes that graduate school course and makes that doctorate course, you know, less taxing as far as financially, right? When you know you have, you know, some support, you have some resources that are going to offset some of those funds because, you know, and I know that this is, you know, while we're working on ourselves and getting, you know, getting these degrees and getting our training is not cheap also. So um, I'm happy, like you said, that we have more individuals of these high, high profile folks that are, are stepping up and they're, you know, bringing it to the forefront about the mental health. So um, I'm, I'm hoping that more and more celebrities, more athletes, more people get involved with this. Um, so, you know, more funding can get, get uh, thrown their way to, to, to mental health students. So this is good. I, like I mean, listen, man, I just, and this is just in general, like it just seems like, like certain sports, certain activities, like you're always going to have an uphill battle when it comes to mental health, right? Certain sports, boxing, just certain things where it's like, it's just, it's just kind of built into like Tyson Fury has been very open about some of his mental health struggles. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But it's not going to be the norm, right? You know? Um, but I think we've come a long way in 2021. You know, everybody from Ron Artest to Jay-Z to Brandon Marshall, like, you know, Howard Stern talk openly about going to therapy. Charlemagne, the guy, like, they talk openly about it, right? I don't know if you would have got that 10 years ago. You know what I mean? So there's still a long way to go, I think, because a lot of people have misconceptions about 
still about what therapy is um, and, and kind of what happens in that space. Um, and I think that intimidates a lot of people. Um, and, I, and I think that's really the, the wrong way to see it, right? Because I think a lot of people should see it the opposite way. Like it's almost the ultimate safe space, right? Because yeah. it's probably safer than a lot of the other spaces that we have in our lives, right? In terms of not having judgment and all of those things. Um, but I think uh, we've come a long way just in terms of like, I don't want to make everything about celebrities, but, you know, these are some of the people that are most, you know, visible to us, right? So so they move a lot of people's opinions, you know, whether it's consciously or unconsciously. And I think the fact that popular culture, you know, is kind of for mental health right now and pushing it has gone, you know, gone a long way, you know. Um, it's trending you know. in the right direction. So I um yeah, absolutely. They with any condition, whether it be medical illness, whether it be cancer, whether it be lupus, whether it be HIV, now with mental health, like you need a face to it. Right? right. That's how things happen, right? Cancer was always an issue. You put Lance Armstrong on top of that a few years ago. Right. Live live strong, right? Donation, right. research going up. So it has to be the same way. Unfortunately, that's the way society kind of moves and gets information. You put a face to it. Yeah. Now. So, yeah, I'm totally with these celebrities, these athletes being there because some of them have lost family members. Some of them have battled it in the past. So absolutely. Like they're at the forefront of this, in addition to us using like our platform and other clinicians using their platform to get mental health there's got to be a face, right? So someone to recognize and they say, hey, if this person's doing it. So if that's the way it works, hey, that's the way, you know, we're going to get it in. That's the way we're going to get this information out here. So that's the way, you know, history has proven itself and that's the way we'll go forward. But it, it is definitely trending in the right direction. You know? So yeah, speaking of history, all right, one of the best museums that exist on this planet, the African American Museum in D.C., um, was designed with emotions in mind. And what I mean by that is that uh, the African-American Museum uh, or National African-American Museum in D.C., uh, when they were designing the museum, uh, they actually created a contemplative space or a court area with skylights and adjusted like adjacent like to the galleries. And it has like also a company with it, like red borders and textual explanations that alert guests. Uh, you know, if there's graphic or violent content, that's going to be with one of the, the displays or one of the exhibits. Um, but they create a space in a, in a court area for people to, you know, be able to process a lot of the information. Right. Um, it's a lot great museum if anybody's had the opportunity to to visit um it's amazing um if you haven't have you been, have you been? yeah yeah um the first year that it opened um i went down there um i actually i made it like a good weekend event so i took my daughter down uh, to dc because she wanted to visit howard this was like after her first year um after her freshman year of high school and so okay. i took I took her and uh, one of her friends, uh, one of her old classmates, and we went to go see the museum. And we also like in the following day, we went to go visit Howard and visit Georgetown. So we're in the D.C. area. So um, but it was just amazing. Like it was just, you know, yeah. an incredible museum. Like I let them go off and do their thing. Right. Because like mm -hmm. when they went in, now they look, I, I can't have like be watching y'all. Y'all slow me up. So, you know, they went off. They had <laughs> each other. But I'm just watching and just reading. And it's just so much information. Um, 
And um, I have to be honest, like I didn't see the space uh, that they're referring to. I'm happy that they have it, especially like keeping mm-hmm. in mind of individual emotions like the patrons and the guests that are watching because it's some powerful like information that you're seeing there. Like you are getting a lot of powerful and it can be overwhelming to the in the sense. Um, and uh, I'm happy that they created this space, this area for people to um, be able to kind of process, take a break from things. It's, um, it's also they have they train staff to handle viewer reactions and like to spot if someone's in emotional distress. These these staff members have gone through I said hours or months of training of being able to kind of help guests. Um, so I'm, I'm happy that when they were designing this museum and, and you know, at, in addition to the displays and all the items that they're going to be um, showcasing, that they're also keeping in mind the emotional well-being of individuals that are taking all this information in. Oh, um, listen, I've been there, too. I, I don't think, first of all, it's amazing. You know, yeah. I don't think um, you can really cover it in one day thoroughly. You know, um, I, I think I needed really like two days, probably three, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought it was great. Like, I love the Black Panther exhibit. I love the exhibit on Barack Obama. They had a good exhibits on like hair and those type of things. Yeah. Um, but I'm gonna be very honest with you. We're gonna get real. Like that was upstairs, right? Upstairs is very happy, like you was talking about. When you get on that elevator and you go down to that slavery exhibit, yo, you in another yeah. place in time, and it ain't no happy feelings until you get to that decompression. Yep. You know, from my opinion, like, bro, every person of color who doesn't understand who they are. If 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 your if your heart isn't moved when you standing next to that auction block or that or them or those whips or them five pound shackles, mm-hmm. I don't know what to tell you, right? Because now, first of all, I think they did a good job, right? Because the decompression room is necessary, right? And I will say it for a variety for two reasons: one, because you're gonna see all of those things, right? Whips, shackles. There's gonna be exhibits where they talk to you about how they mutilated the genitalia of black women, right? They're going to be spots where, I mean, listen, we're talking about American slavery, right? So rape was part of it. Mm-hmm. So that's part of it. They're going to talk to you. You're going to see exhibits about breeding, right? Right, which is a part of it. But so you got all of these feelings going through you. And they, and they do it the right way because you do the whole museum upstairs and then you get on that elevator and this is a different world, right? Rightfully so. And they go from the slave trade on a boat all the way through, kind of all through different phases. But the one difficult thing for me, and I know this would probably be, I know I hope people don't take this the wrong way, is that I'm a black man going through that, right? So sometimes it's very hard to look to your right and to the left, and then you see people who aren't who aren't taking that experience as seriously, right? Like I'm gonna be very honest, like some heavy feelings involved. And if you're standing there in deep thought, right, thinking about this auction block and what it means, and somebody's next to you with a phone in a very casual manner and just chit-chatting about eating at McDonald's after they leave. It can stir up some very 
difficult feelings is all I will say. And that happens all throughout this museum, right? You're gonna be watching, you're gonna be watching exhibits about the Middle Passage, right? Where they were literally, if we got sick, slaves got sick, they would throw us overboard like we was trash. Mm -hmm. Let us defecate on ourselves, right? And then you'll look to your left and your right and you got somebody playing around. You understand what I'm saying? So it's a very, it's a very emotional experience, at least it was for me. So right. when I got to the end and that, and that decompression room was there and all of those things, it was the necessary time to reflect. That's all I'll say. It's, and that was my thought process why I had my daughter and her friend who are like, you know, again, they're high school students, best high schools in the city. So I still had them go like off on their own. Like, listen, you guys right. go because I need to watch, I need to read all this information and take it in because I had a feeling like that was going to happen. Like this is going to evoke some very strong emotions. And I, I didn't want it to be like, yeah. they're, they're taking pictures and they're, they're going to, their experience I knew was going to be different than mine. Right. And so not that, you know, they wouldn't appreciate it. Cause I think they did, but I just like, okay, no, this, I need to be uninterrupted. I need to be really, you know, honed in it and concentrating on this. And again, like I didn't, I didn't get to the decompression room. I don't know if I went backwards because I think when I did mines, I started from the slave trade and went up. So I didn't get to the happy okay. stuff at the end. You see what I mean? So, nope. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I'm going straight from the gate and I'm looking around and I'm seeing some white people, man. I'm not going to hold you. I'm not going to lie. And I'm like, okay. You know, like it, that, it, you know, just reading more and more information and, for me, I kind of went into it, I have to admit, like more naive in a sense where I went to like an all black private middle school where they all they mm -hmm. did was teach about African-American history. Like I didn't even right. know that white people invent invented things until I got to high school because right. like that's how on like, you know, mm -hmm. black history when I and I appreciate it. So I'm feeling like I'm going in like I'm going to know the majority of what you know, the information they're going to be given some few tidbits I may not know. But even when we got into like the 1920s and the 30s, right, I'm learning about information like like the Tulsa, Oklahoma race, racial massacre. Right. right I had right. no idea about that because it's oh. in Oklahoma. Right. It's not right. one of those things that was talked about, like, you know, and it's happened in the middle middle America, West Coast. You're learning about all these other different issues and injustices and these occasions, the massacres that were taking place. Like when I read about that one, and I know we just came up like on the in, um on the anniversary of that, of the, the Tulsa, Oklahoma uh, massacre. But when I read about that, because that was my first time reading about that is was at the museum, man, like I had a strong reaction to that because again, right. this was happening. Like you're wiping out a whole town, right? A whole town. Right. And so like, I'm reading about other different, just things I had no idea about, man, that was happening in, you know, in, in Texas, that was happening in California, all these other different things. And like, you know, I'm happy I was able just to enjoy them myself. And I, I really could have used that decompression room because like, again, it, it evokes like you're, you're going through the emotion <laughs> as you're getting yeah. information. So I don't know, maybe I missed it. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's absolutely necessary. You know, like you're talking like and I did I did it all I mean, in one day like, and it was two hours. Like You got to figure it's three thousand and five hundred items that are on display. That's a lot of information. Yeah. That's intense. That's a lot to take in. And like you said, you're going through various emotions. And I hit the hard stuff first. 
right? <laughs> so maybe my decompressions is when I went up there and I saw like all the, oh, okay, we're in the music area and stuff. We're in the sports area. Yeah. But like, yeah, man, like going through it and seeing Emmett Till's coffin and, and seeing like, man, like, you know, like you said, the, the slave trade Bro. and seeing like it, it, it does have a reaction, man. And, and I'm happy that they did place this, but I could I could have used it. I mean, it was it's like I said, it's a mix of emotions, right? Because. Again, you have like the history of blackface and all of, all of those things. Right. And it's going to take you through a range of emotions. Right. But not because of how hard them times was. Right. And just thinking about what them, those people had to go through, yeah. you know, so that we could be, we, we could be where we at. Like we sit on the shoulders of giants for real. Right. Um, but then there was other parts that made me like very proud. Right. Like Absolutely. the whole history of the sororities and the frats, mm-hmm. you know, when they went, when they, when they was, when they did the history of the great Howard university, you know what I'm saying? Or just, of course. I'm playing. I'm playing. Of course. No, no, but, you're right. No, you, you absolutely you know, right, man. Like, no, it was um, it totally reading about that. Just you, it, it invoked, like you said, a, a feeling of, of being proud because, like you said, this these are all lesser known information, right? Not all this information is widely known. So, like you said, learn about the HBCU. Like I'm reading, like you said, I read about Howard, and I'm like, yo, I feel great because I'm I'm from also from an HBCU, and the things right. that they had to endure just for us to be where they are, where we are now. Like you were saying, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut but, you off, but no, nah, I'm just saying, and it's like, listen, even this place, right? A lot of people look at this place like this is just a bougie place we can go for vacation, right? But the history of African Americans and prominent people in Martha's Vineyard is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Of Oaks Bluffs is, is Oaks Bluffs is ridiculous. You know what I mean? And what that meant in terms of African-American political figures or, or preachers or just successful uh, businessmen having somewhere to go that was theirs, you know what I mean? Um, or making it theirs, you know? Um, you just learn a lot, man. Like, and then, but the biggest thing for me was what we had to go through, right? Because if you look at a lot of those stories, the first school, the first hospital, all of these things, it required us doing them, it, it, it required people doing them themselves, right? So if you look at the first place where they was training nurses or the first formal school, these are places no bigger than, than, than this from right here. Mm-hmm. You know, where you have one person who is educated that said, yo, I could take my bag and go somewhere else, but you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna come back here and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna plant seeds. And you see that all over the place. That's what Howard is. Mm-hmm. A whole bunch of people planting seeds. That's what Hampton is. That's what more. That's what Morgan State is. That's what Morehouse is. Is is planting seeds. You know what I mean? Because my niece and nephews, they going to Howard. You know, so that place. You know, again, like that that museum. All I could say is, it's just a mix of emotions because it was times I felt extremely proud. You know what I mean? Totally. Um, and in the times where I didn't feel no feel as good, it's not that I wasn't proud, you know. I was proud of what my ancestors endured, you know. Um, but it's 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 a lot to take on, man, you know. Um, but I think all you know, all people of color, you know, especially, but people in general should, you know, take some time and go go through there. It's a good, it's worth it. Yeah, you know, and, and even taking into consideration 
not just the emotional reactions that you're you're guaranteed to have, but also like the physical component, right? Because the place is huge. Like you said, it, it's it's going to take you on average. If you try to do it in one one visit, you're talking two to three hours, right? It's a lot of walking around, it's going up and down. Like it's so all of that included, like you said, with the emotional reaction or impact, like it's absolutely good that they have that decompression room just for you to just kind of actually process, sit back, reflect, and then, you know, go on with everything. Um, but a- absolutely, man. Like I, I can't, uh, I can't, I can't say it enough how proud I am for the individuals who contributed to, who put that museum together. And then for them to be able to collect all of this information, like what it took and what was an encompass for you, them to get all of these, these, these facts, all these artifacts, all these items. I saw Harriet Tubman Shaw there. Like, I'm just like, this is, you know, when you see things like that and you see, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's unexplainable, you know? Um, and absolutely. Like you had some different reactions to it and I'm, I'm happy, like, you know, that I got an opportunity to take it. I'm happy that, you know, my, my, my daughter was able to, to take it because I was able to have a conversation with her and her friend about what they saw and what their interpretation was. And um, they're happy they got an opportunity to, to visit. And um, I feel like it'll also be different when they go back and when they're older. Right. Especially right. kind of given everything that that they've experienced from then. Right. Like when she as she continues to experience life as a black woman and living in America and, you know, her perception, her, you know, just her thought process, things are going to change because she's an adult, right? She has more responsibility. Right. She understands more. Um, so, but yeah, like I'll, I'll echo what you said. If you hadn't have, had an opportunity to visit, please do. I'm, I'm hoping things, it should be reopened. I don't know what the whole COVID restrictions and things. Um, but yeah, I'm, they were, they were definitely very intuitive and proactive with, you know, designing this, um, this decompression room to help with, uh, you know, helping folks along through with, with their, um, with their journey through this museum. So, uh, so kudos to them. Uh, so it was great, man. It's a great ordeal. Anything else before we roll out of here? Good brother. Uh, nah, just, you know, of course we want to thank everybody for listening. Um, and just encourage, you know, people to send their questions to, uh, the black psychologist podcast. Is that at Yahoo or Gmail? At Gmail. Black Psychologist Podcast at Gmail. Um, you can send a short video clip or just a question, um, and we'll answer it here. Other than that, of course, you know, we always thankful for anybody taking time to listen. Um, please subscribe, share, um, leave a comment. That's all I got. All right, man. Uh, I can't say it any better than that. I echo everything that you you mentioned. And again, thank you, everybody, for, for your support and subscribing. And, and following us and, and giving us that good feedback, whether it be on uh, on our page, on Facebook, on Instagram. You know, we're loving the dialogue. We're going back and forth with people. You guys are bringing up some great points about some of the, th- the topics and things that we discussed. So keep it coming, you know. Uh, so without anything else, uh, that's it, Dr. J. Um, appreciate, as always, you being here, man. And uh, let's continue throughout this week and say these lives. Good brother. Enjoy, uh, of sure. course, Mental Health Week or Mental Health uh, Month. So everyone continue to take care of themselves. We know it's a lot of heavy things going up here. It's opening back up as far as depending on what state that you're in. So please, please continue to be safe um, and, um, you know, have fun, but definitely be safe. And, you know, I'm wishing everybody good mental health. All right. All right. Dr. J, I'll talk to you, sir. All right, bro. All right. Later.